Hello and welcome to our podcast, What Makes Them Tip? Innovations that change everything, where we hear from business leaders and entrepreneurs about the moment, insight, or inspiration that made everything possible and ultimately pushed them over the tipping point. I'm Mike Strada, founder and CEO of Arcalea, where we inspire business change by introducing data science, formal analytics, and provide implementation from marketing. Moneyball for growth-oriented businesses, we say success is now a science. Stay with us, and at the end of the show, we'll share how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the industry. And with that, let's get started. Hello, and welcome to What Makes Them Tip, innovations that changed everything. I'm Jeff, and once again, I have the privilege of talking to amazing people who are truly innovating in their particular entrepreneurial space, and we get to hear their stories. Today, we say hello to a former professional lacrosse player with a doctorate of physical therapy who has channeled his passion for sports health and rehabilitation into becoming an Inc. 5000 entrepreneur founding a highly successful clinic with multiple locations in the D.C. metro area. We're grateful to have him on the show. Please welcome Dr. Josh Funk. Welcome. Hey, thanks for making time for me today. I'm really looking forward to just catching up. No, we're so glad that, that you came. And I can't wait to, to talk a little bit about um, kind of how you came through from being, you know, starting out uh, in lacrosse and ending up a successful entrepreneur. I, th- I, I think that's going to be a fascinating story for folks. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about the clinic that you have right now. It's called Rehab to Perform, correct? Yes. And, and I'm up at our Frederick location. Um, it's been quite the year. And just to dive into a little bit of the backstory, um, it was actually an idea that I unknowingly had when I was in college. So I went to Ohio State. And played lacrosse there. And I saw that. I, I, yeah. I'm yeah, a Buckeye not, fan, so I was excited to see hey, that. Hey, <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. No, I, I had my first serious injury then where hmm. um, I was given a diagnosis that was potentially going to lead to surgery. So a torn rotator cuff and a torn labrum. This was really, honestly, more of a psychological shock than anything because you're, you know, for the first time in your life. After thinking, hey, I'm I'm invincible. Mm. I'm a higher level athlete, and uh, none of the bad stuff happens to me. And oh shoot, now I actually have to potentially miss games. I have to get surgery at the end of the year. I'm not really going to be able to do much for say three to six months. And that's when I went really into just self discovery mode. Uh, I learned a ton from the people that were around me, whether or not it was our head PT, our athletic trainers, our strength coach staff. But I learned a ton about my body. And prior to that, I had always had an affinity for fitness and working out and learning about a what I'll call another end of the spectrum, because Mm. I'll view at this point rehab and performance on different ends of the spectrum. Um, It just further cemented the fact that this was an area that I needed to kind of go all in on it. Um, throughout that process, I was fortunate to actually avoid surgery. Um, mm. So my shoulder was able to rehab. I learned that a diagnosis does not necessarily determine our fate when it comes to the ability to function at a high level. So though I had had a picture that gave me this diagnosis that maybe 
was going to perceive to be negative by many people. I still was able to shoot a little over 100 miles per hour when it when it all came back to it. And my shoulder was full go. I was fortunate enough after that to continue to play two more years because that was injury was during my sophomore year. Uh, and then, yeah, I had a, a professional lacrosse career after that. I've never had any issues with my shoulder. And those gray, those scarlet and gray colors are still <laughs> found within each of our locations. And yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of uh, uh, crazy to look back on it, but I'm for- fortunate to be a Buckeye for many reasons. That's awesome. Well, and yeah, I'm, I love seeing uh, Buckeye athletes who have made good and are doing uh, doing great things in in the world. And then clearly you are being successful down there. Um, tell us a little bit about the clinic then. Absolutely. Um, for us, think about an athletic training room, right? Athletic training tables, very open, very, uh, you know, at times can be, can be a little bit noisy, but the word that I always use is it's, it's social. There's a, there's a cheers vibe to it, right? Mm, Where everybody's mm. waving at each other. Everybody's having conversation, regardless of whether or not you're a medical professional or the person that's going through the sessions themselves. Um, but you combine that kind of environment with more of a personal training studio or almost a, a, a CrossFit style gym and that you have gym equipment, you've got rubber floors, you have turf, and you have an environment that a lot of people can identify with when it comes to spending time working on themselves in health and wellness when they're not injured. So just trying to put together an environment that really allows us to First and foremost, when people walk in, not think about the injury, not think about the fact that, you know, I'm I'm broken or what I'm going to be unable to do. They're automatically thinking about all the things that they're looking forward to getting back to. And they see that environment as a means to them continuing to reach uh, and push towards their goals and dreams. So when you think about traditional PT, Unfortunately, there's a ton of emphasis educationally even on just getting back to baseline, right? Getting back to activities of daily living. Our environment allows us to further build upon that educational knowledge uh, and put ourselves in a position where we're able to prepare them for life outside of our four walls beyond activities of daily living, running, lifting, sports, hiking, right? Everything from competition uh, to leisure. Uh, appreciating the fact that our physicality often ties into our mental and emotional well-being as well. But, uh, you know, it's a fitness-focused physical therapy environment. It might look like it's just for active and athletic people, but throughout the course of the pandemic, we had more people than ever that, you know, recognized, I need to do something about my personal health. Mm. Uh, and they were finding themselves inside of our four walls, and and hopefully we're serving as a catalyst to them with their lifelong, uh, you know, health and wellness goals. And what, and how long have you been running the clinic there? A little over six years. So we started in Frederick and then we went to Germantown, then Mount Airy, then Bethesda. We'll be opening up our Annapolis location within the next two to three months. Mm. And we have at least two more locations planned for the, for the next year as well. Wow. That's fantastic. I'd love to get more into like how you got to that, to this point, then if we could go back kind of in time. You, uh, you know, you're playing professional lacrosse. Uh, what? So eventually you stopped playing. Uh, and I, I noticed that you had helped, <clears throat> helped with some other lacrosse related things before the business came along. What yep. was the impetus for deciding to, or to, to start the business? Like when you, 
were ready to to do this. What uh, what what happened there? And tell me a little bit about that process. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go back a little bit to the time where I was playing professional lacrosse, but with professional lacrosse, I was actually going through school at the same time too. So mm-hmm. um, I was going through physical therapy school and it was my third year of physical therapy school that finally put me in a position where I could no longer do it. I had to commit to our clinical rotations. Mm. I couldn't miss Fridays of school. Um, but I realized that opening a private practice after school was a big undertaking. I knew that I needed to learn more about the business side of PT. I also had uh, you know, aspirations to purchase a house, to pay off my loans. So I was kind of in this situation where, I, okay, I'm going to go get a job at whoever the local private practice is that's the best place. I'm going to go work there and I'm going to open up a side hustle. Uh, I'm going to open up Lax Factory, which actually was my first business. It was a lacrosse services company. Uh, and I started that about two months after graduating from PT school. Uh, it was a MBA on the fly, you know, because you're, <laughs> you're, you're in a less risky environment. You have your day job taken care of. You have income coming in. Um, and it was honestly more of an outlet than anything as well, because I got to coach a sport that I was very familiar with, that I loved, and deliver camps, clinics. Um, club teams. Uh, we did some tournaments. We did league play, and I I wouldn't be where I am today in my my second endeavor here without my experiences with Lax Factory. Yeah, you did. How long did you do that for? I did that up until 2018. So I did that for seven years. So yes, there was actually uh, some overlap between uh, rehab to perform and Lax Factory, and eventually I got to a point where. It was honestly just, it was too much. I had great help supporting me on the lacrosse side, um, but the program got to a level in which we were supporting 250 kids on a yearly basis. And I I made a decision to transition that program uh, to somebody else. Yeah. So how was, how, how does that feel? I guess this is something that you founded and have nurtured. And there's a point where you're like, okay, the next thing is coming along. Tell me a little bit about that process. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, that was just a really challenging time period for me on a personal level. Um, whether or not it was some things that were going on related to our second location opening, which Mm. to be quite candidly was a disaster. Mm. Um, I had just gone through a significant breakup from a relationship standpoint. Uh, I was in a situation where my father was in and out of the hospital that year. And and, I mean, gosh, I'm trying to think what else a tow truck, uh, totaled my vehicle. That was a whole separate, uh, thing in itself. So there was just a kind of a cascade of events in addition to our director of lax factory deciding he wanted to take a college coaching job. So there were, I would say five big things that all happened at once. And I got to a point where I was like, it's too much. This is sacrificing my quality of life. And to be quite honest, it was sacrificing my happiness at the time. So it was not an easy decision. Um, and in, in hindsight, it might not have been the absolute best decision, but it was the decision that made me happy. And mm. it gave me back my quality of life back. And the only reason why I say in hindsight, uh, you know, I, I think I might have made small decisions differently. Uh, the transition did not go very well. So um, I feel like when you've developed trust 
over the years, especially when you talk about parents and kids, um, that, that means a lot. And with the transition going as poorly as it did, some, sometimes I, I feel like I let those people down. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, I'm in a better spot on a personal level, but it's yeah. hard not to think about the fact that, you know, there was a little bit of uncertainty. Things were definitely a little bit rocky for those families and kids. Um, and hey, maybe maybe instead of transitioning it to this organization, I could have transitioned it to another organization. But uh, I try not to live in the past too much. So I think looking back on it, I have to remind myself that it was a, it was the best decision for me. Sure. And this, and if I'm understanding correctly, at this time also you were already running uh, rehab to perform as well, right? The both businesses yeah. were simultaneous. So then let's let's backtrack a little bit then from from the transition point to when you started rehab to perform or to perform. Tell me a little bit about that. Absolutely. So I had been working for one private practice owner, and then I had jumped ship and went to go work for another one. And it was during that second time where I started to get a little bit more confident that I could run a private practice. And uh, I started to plan my exit, so to speak. And I knew that I was going to need another person. So I reached out to somebody from physical therapy school that I knew was in the area. He was doing his own sports performance company as well, outside of just the PT side of things. Uh, And we started to have more serious conversations. And the only real curveball was the fact that his, uh, you know, his, his life uh, in the position of life that he was in was a little different than mine. I was, I was single at the time. The only person I had to worry about taking care of financially really was, was myself. And he was married and actually had just had his first little one. So mm. there was some, some certainty I needed to provide him at the time. Um, with regards to finances, uh, I'll never forget this, but I wrote three paper checks, one for December, one for January, one for February. And I said, Zach, got enough money in the bank for these three months. So when you cut the cord, um, you know, know that at least there's three months of money here. Other than that, we got to hustle, brother. Mm. And we started up at Frederick Indoor Sports Center. It is an indoor turf facility where they typically will do indoor soccer, indoor lacrosse, flag football. Um, as well as host events. And we opened up our tiny little startup space in between the the turf fields. There was a gym that we shared space with trainers there. And we were uh, high on energy and short on just about everything else. (laughs) It was a uh, big awakening because sometimes you, you think you know certain things, but you don't really know what you don't know. Uh, until you throw yourself in the fire there. And uh, that the, the, the first two years were especially interesting, but we were, we, we were of the mindset that we would always focus on solutions. So when, when issues popped up, we, all, we would always go into problem solving mode and we never really dwelled on it that, that, that long. And I think that failing fast is something that really set us up for long-term success and eventually got to a situation where, you know, you, you feel like you can do it again. And that was in 2017 when we did that. But uh, looking back on it, um, I can tell you a lot of the things not to do. Um, yeah. I obviously can tell you some of the things to do, but it was it was quite the experience. I mean, I looked at a ribbon cutting photo the other day where I think I forgot my belt that day and I've got lime green laces on my tennis shoes. So not not quite the best presentation uh, of self when, when, <laughs> when you're trying to make impressions, but... 
Um, I, I, as I mentioned, we, we, you know, we did a great job uh, taking care of the, the person in front of us, taking care of the client um, and, and putting ourselves in a situation where, where word of mouth became a significant driver for us. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs um, like yourself have come on this show and told me like that they've learned more from some of the mistakes that they made early on than, than any of the successes really, because for what, you know, various reasons. And so uh, if we go, go back and, and, you know, what do you wish that you had known then uh, that you, you know, now that maybe you could tell a young entrepreneur who is in the same boat? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing is appreciating that in a service-based business, yes, it is important to know how to deliver that service at a high level, but you have to appreciate all of the other things that people maybe don't experience or see, but they feel. And for us, that was more clerical oriented tasks. I had not studied what went on at the front desk. I had not mm-hmm. studied what went on behind the scenes as much. I had studied how to be a good PT and how to market and get out the fact that I'm a good PT. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I didn't have an appreciation for uh, things that went on from an insurance standpoint, from a phone call standpoint, from uh, accounting and bookkeeping, uh, and all of these other little things that allow the ship to continue to run smoothly. smoothly. So um, I was learning a lot of things on the fly. Being an entrepreneur, you have to be a jack of all trades, but I, I, I was a jack of all trades that I knew nothing about in the beginning. So it was definitely a, a rude awakening for me. Uh, fortunately, always being very resourceful, I had enough people to reach out to and learn over the years. And to be quite honest, we've hired some amazing people that have allowed uh, us to continue to, you know, you say standing on the shoulders of giants. I have some people even behind the front desk where I know that not everybody views that as being like the most skilled work, but man, when we got a couple good people at the front desk, things changed overnight with mm. regards to levels of, of, of efficiency. Uh, and it really allowed us to focus on what we do best, which is, you know, physical rehab PT. Awesome. And you guys have grown, which um, again, this is something most uh, most of the entrepreneurs who might be listening, they want to expand, they want to grow in other locations like you have. And you did mention that the first the first time you did that maybe uh, was not was a little bit of a disaster. Tell us about yeah. that and what you learned from that experience. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I took advice going into the second one that was not great advice, and it was related to our insurance contracts. And we started to get denials back from some of the insurances. And that was an absolute panic for me. A, I didn't do it soon enough. I needed, I needed to be more mindful of, of certain uh, time parameters mm. that allowed us to get contracts back that would determine how much we were going to get reimbursed at that new location. But I had not done this in a timely fashion. Not only had I not done it in a timely fashion, but I did it wrong. So we actually did not take in money at those locations outside of copays for the first three months, which is a wow. significant, significant hit. Sure. Um, unfortunately, I actually had to let somebody go who I had hired for that office because the finances just quite honestly did not support it. So that was probably the biggest blunder that I've ever made. Um, and the uh, on, on the note of 
thinking that you can do something, but not having a full awareness of, of what goes into it. Mm-hmm. I had not written down as many things to open the first location that I should have in order to open the second one. So I was operating on solely what I remembered and what was in my mind. Mm. I did not follow a playbook. I did not have a manual. I did not have a rollout, so to speak, where I could just run down a checklist. Whereas like right now, we have a six-month rollout document that I think is about nine pages that I literally just go into and you just check boxes. And we just, we just didn't have that. So the amount of things that I forgot that were important because I had not written them down uh, was in the plentiful. It was, I should say, I don't, I don't have a number for it, but it was, it was, it was very, there was very, very many things that I just honestly didn't know until it's, Oh, that popped. Oh shoot. I forgot to do that. All right. Yeah. We need to do that real quick. And then you'd go another three days and then something else would pop up. So it's nice at this point to be, you know, be, you're a little bit more automated, you know, you you know exactly what needs to do to be done. And you have those systems and processes, systems, processes, and manuals. If I had to give anybody uh, advice uh, who's looking to replicate without systems, process, and manuals, uh, we would not be able to do this. Uh, as smoothly and as efficiently as we're doing it at this point. Yeah, that's great advice. And now, and and so now, with your nine-page kind of floor plan or, or game game plan going into opening new, how many did you say you guys have opened now? How many total will you have once you've finished with the new locations you have planned? Yeah, we have, we've done four. Our fifth one is currently being built out, uh, and there'll be at least two more in the plant. So. Um, you know, the, the rollout document functions on 30-day timelines. So, you know, you'll go from your 180-day mark to 150, 120, 90, mm. 60, 30, and then opening. And then there's actually stuff that you're supposed to do 30 days after opening as well, just to make sure that you're kind of uh, circling back on certain things. So it, it's nice because honestly, it's just, you don't worry about it. You're not worried about, oh, did I forget to do this? Or, hey, oh my gosh, did this get done at the right time? No, we we've done it two more times since that second one, yeah. um, and and really just proven that there, there there's a there's a best way to do it. Yeah, and c- congratulations on your success because that's amazing that you guys are opening that many locations and and doing so well. Um, uh, going back and thinking back over all of that time, do you think what do you think was the tipping point for you? Uh, for your business to to where you kind of led towards the success that you have now? Man, I, I think a couple key hires, honestly, in the beginning, um, mm-hmm. convincing Zach to quit his job and be the first, you know, member of our team was a significant part. Um, Jared Boyd, who, although he's not with us anymore, uh, left a significant mark on our company. He now is working for the Memphis Grizzlies and the NBA. Oh, wow. Uh, and then we had, after that, uh, Anthony, who was our first student, who now is running our Bethesda office, wow. Caleb, who came and spent time with us on the weekends and was interning with us informally, even outside of his school hours, is now running uh, our Mount Air location. Uh, and then Jamie as well, who will be, she's, she's running Frederick right now, but she's actually going to move. To, to run Annapolis here in the next couple months. So, I mean, you talk about just getting somewhat blessed with uh, luck 
and, and great people. I would argue, you know, in this particular situation, somehow we got both to happen at the same time because we got sure. lucky, great people. But I mean, we definitely wouldn't be here without them deciding to to take a leap. Mm. And quite honestly, I mean, just the level of input that they've given over the years. I mean, this this company has their handprints all over it. So I just feel feel fortunate that they're all, uh, you know, looking back on just the history of the company that they that they made the choice that they they decided to take a chance on myself and and rehab to perform. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and like you said, sometimes you can luck in to, to the right people, but um, obviously ret- retaining them and keeping them there uh, is important. You wouldn't be able to continue that success if they didn't like being there. Tell me a little bit about how uh, em- your em- employee culture is like, what, how do you manage folks there? Absolutely. Um, it, it, it's funny. And, and I um, obviously you meant manage in the best sense of the word but we try not to really be too formal with, sure. with titles and, you know, there's not a manager, there's not supervisors. There's certain people that are more qualified to make certain decisions, but trying to, trying to flatten the organizational chart a little bit more, trying to have an environment that's a lot more collaborative, yeah. um, act like an owner is something that ideally everybody does. Ideally, we've created uh, enough framework for people to function within guardrails and have a certain amount of autonomy to, to make, make decisions for, for themselves. And yeah. um, they, they don't need somebody above them to necessarily check off uh, on everything. And if they do, why is that? Like, why haven't we provided the, the amount of guidance that allows them to function independently? Why, why mm-hmm. is there so much dependency created if we were unable to um, provide that environment where that person can make, especially simple decisions on their own. So um, solutions first is another, another big one for us. Um, always thinking in solutions. So when a problem pops up, don't come to somebody with a problem, come to them with a solution first. So you can mm-hmm. present the problem at the same time, you've also uh, come up with solutions. And if, if you're coming to somebody with problems without solutions, then you're going to have to go back to the drawing board. All right. So um, it just gets us making sure that we're thinking of, okay, fail fast, fail fast to do something new, fail fast to do something new. Mm. Uh, and then other little things, you know, per, I'm a big believer that perfect action is better than perfect results. So um, as long as there's something that's not going to be at cost to somebody, uh, I'd rather have us just act. We don't need to be perfect because usually some kind of action is going to lead us to getting feedback and 70% is better than zero. So let's just move, get, get back the information that we've only done 70% of the job and then let's keep tweaking. While that person's still back at the starting line at zero, so I think those are just some some small things. You know, we're, we we try to make sure that we're educating to empower our staff, that we're providing opportunities for them. That if they have something in mind with regards to where they want their career to go, that it's up to the company to support that. Mm-hmm. It's up to the company to get in front of that. So we try to meet fairly regularly throughout the year and just kind of do progress Jackson. Oh, you want to do this? Oh, okay. Well, guess what? It's the company's job to carve that out. Let's, let's find a way to make that work. So ideally not having an environment that's not moldable, that's adaptable. I mean, especially as the company grows, well, we should be able to continue to carve out growth opportunities for each of our people. I mean, I mentioned, you know, site director roles where they're kind of in charge of, of locations. And we have people that are in charge of programs. We have people that have started 
uh, educational initiatives within within the company. We have uh, people that started a golf program. We have somebody that created an online wellness program. So you know whatever people have that are that are ideas or things that that fill them up, like come to me. Let's mm. let's, let's let's find a way. So um, overall, I mean, it's it is. It's a, I mean, I, I'm the oldest millennial, but it's all millennials. Mm. You know. So it is, it's a, it's a young, fun, hungry, uh, culture. And, you know, we, 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 we give each other crap sometimes, but <laughs> we, uh, we love each other all the same. That's awesome. Well, before we go, I want to make sure you have a chance to kind of tell folks how they can find you where your website is and that kind of stuff. Go ahead and do that. For sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh Twitter and Instagram, I'm, I'm fairly active. So, uh, Dr. Josh Funk on either one of those platforms, Dr. Josh Funk. Uh, and then if you're looking to learn more about rehab to perform rehab, the number two perform. So rehab to perform.com. You can learn about everything and anything. Um, we have, uh, educational materials on there. We've got blogs, we've got videos. If you're a medical professional, healthcare professional, and you're looking to do continuing education, we have stuff on there as well. And then if there's people who may be interested in internships, we have internship uh, of, uh, or internships available for DPT students, college students, high school students. That information is on the top right of the website as well. Awesome. Man, thank you so much for being on the show. It was really just a pleasure talking to you and catching up with a, a fellow Buckeye. And hey. uh, just wish you the best of luck uh, to everything that you've got going on there. It sounds great. I appreciate that, Jeff. And I'm going to leave with this. OH. IO. <laughs> hey. There we go. Hopefully we didn't alienate like uh, certain portions of our audience from that. We, Only go blue. Only yeah, go blue. <laughs> absolutely. Thanks again for your time, man. I appreciate it. All right, Jeff. Take care. All right. And thank you for listening to another episode of what makes them tip innovations that changed everything. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to our show, What Makes Them Tip, Innovations That Changed Everything. If you're an entrepreneurial leader and you'd like to share the inspiration that changed everything in your business or venture, please visit arkalea.com slash guest and a small request. If you've liked this interview, please help us out by sharing this episode with a friend or on social with the hashtag Arkalea. You can also help us out right now by providing a review in your podcast player and a thumbs up or rating review would help a ton. We promise to read every word and it helps us improve a little bit each day. And while you're at it, please also subscribe because every week you're going to be inspired and learn from other leaders in bite-sized increments. Again, my name is Mike Strada. Let's connect either on social or stay up to date on all things business at arcalea.com. Thanks again for listening and thank you for being part of the over 99% of America's firms that make up the entrepreneurial community. Until next time.